Are you ready to start living richer? Well, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Live Richer podcast, hosted by Jamie Catmull, a podcast created for people to challenge and manage their ideas of wealth, culture, and money across the world, bringing you the best personal finance advice to make more, save more, and live richer. Now, here's your host, Jamie Catmull. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Live Richer podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Catmull. And today I have a very amazing show for all of you guys. I've brought on a woman that, in my opinion, truly embodies what it means to live richer. Her name is Kim Kiyosaki. For all of those that may not know this amazing woman, she is a self-made millionaire. She's an entrepreneur. She's a successful real estate investor. She's a speaker, she's an author, and she's the CEO of the famous and world-renowned company, The Rich Dad Company. She's the host of her weekly radio show called The Rich Dad Radio Show that millions and millions of people check into every week. She's also author of the famous book, Rich Women, and its predecessor, It's Rising Time. I'm more than honored to have Kim here. She's a legend and someone that I truly have looked up to for a really long time when it comes to getting advice when it comes to my money. I'm super excited to have Kim here with me today. Kim, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me, Jamie. I've been looking forward to this conversation. I am just glad that you're here. I can't believe I even got you <laughs> on the show. I love your podcast that you do every week. Thank you. I love your book. I've read all the Rich Dad books, actually. Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate that. <laughs> and I've been to your events and a huge follower for thank a you. very long time. So thank you. to have you here is amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm done with the interview. That's all I need to know. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, all I'd have to say, really, Kim, is say, um, go out and read Kim's book, Rich Women, especially being Women's Month. If I was going to have any woman advice when it comes to money. I would tell him to read your book. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Because the stats you, you're, you just put out there, um, the statistics for women around money with, with divorce, with death of a spouse, especially money management as we get older, the statistics are not in our favor. And my whole mission is just to wake women up to the fact that they've got to take charge of their financial lives and not become a statistic as they get older. What can women do not to become a statistic? How do they become rich? I think a lot of us just don't even know where to start. Yeah, well, well, for me, becoming financially free and rich, a rich woman, it was about, it's about freedom. It's about freedom to live the life you want. It's about freedom from the worry about money. As you said, 56%. Women are worried about money. And there's a difference between, I just want to make the difference between there's rich and then there's wealth. And a lot of people think of rich, you have a ton of money, but we have a different definition of wealth. And the definition is the number of days forward that you can survive without working. So for example, if you look at, you know, how much savings you have, how much investing you have, you have cash flow coming in, take all of that together. Let's say it's $100,000 and you have $10,000 a month in living expenses then you have 10 months of wealth without working, without working, and without income from your job, your business, and without reducing your standard of living. For me, the formula is you want to have money coming in from your investments, 
in cash flow. I'm the queen of cash flow, Jamie. I love cash flow. So you have money coming in every month from your investments that is greater than your monthly living expenses. And at that point, you are financially free and not having to worry about money. How does a person do that? I mean, especially <laughs> if you're a woman and you're living mm -hmm. paycheck to paycheck or you're like hardly have any savings. Mm -hmm. How do I get out of that rat race, as you guys call it over at Rich Dad? Yeah. I mean, seriously, how do I get out of it? That, that's a great, great, great question. So big picture is you've got to know, number one, what you have and where it is. Most women don't even realize what they have. They don't know what they have or they're lying to themselves about how much they spend, how much they bring in. Um, so number one, you've got to know what you've got and where it is. And number two, then you've got to start educating yourself on how to have that money working for you. Because, Jamie, we work so hard for our money, but then we don't learn anything about what to do with the money we make. We just basically spend it. And most people live paycheck to paycheck. So one of the first things I did is I hired a bookkeeper. And just an hourly, on an hourly basis, I hired a bookkeeper and her name was Betty. And she kept me honest and she kept me accountable. So I would say, oh, well, I'm bringing in this much money. And Betty would say, no, you didn't bring in that much money this month. Well, I spent only this much. No, Kim, you spent more than that this month. So Betty kept me on track of what I'm bringing in and what's going out. That was, that was probably one of the biggest things for me because we can lie to ourselves about money very easily. And the second thing I would do is I treat my money as a business because it is. And you have your income and you have your expenses, you have your assets, you have your liabilities. But to treat it as a business instead of just something that we just take for, not for granted, but we just bring in and it goes out. Um, one thing, Jamie, I was thinking about, you know, for women, one of the reasons I think so many women get themselves in a, a tough financial situation is because we... You know, most people have never been taught about money. We're not taught about money in school. But for women, we've actually been taught to depend upon somebody else for our financial well-being, be it a husband, be it a family member, be it the government. And so my whole push is for women to start getting educated, read a book, go online, listen to programs like podcasts like this, start learning about money, start getting educated about money. Um, learn the language of money. That's, a, that's just understanding the language, right? I can go on for a long time, so. <laughs> well, I love There's it though, Kim. I love it. I mean, what is that quote that says, knowledge is power and you are a wealth of knowledge. So keep going. <laughs> Thanks. So as you're getting educated and, and there's so much information out there and you've got to just, you know, take it in, in little pieces, but there's basically four asset classes. There's business, real estate, paper assets, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, and commodities, gold, silver, oil, gas, things like that. So as you're learning about these different classes of assets and learning about these different investments, there's going to be one that's going to speak to you and you're going to get more interested in it. For me, it was real estate. I love rental real estate. For friends of mine, they love trading stock options or being in the stock market. That's their asset of choice. So as you're getting a little bit of education, Start looking at what really attracts you. What are you interested in? Because if you're not interested in it, you're not going to want to study it. And one other thing, another way that I learn really, really well 
is once I find something, because we don't want to, you don't want to get into analysis paralysis where all you're doing is studying, studying, studying. At some point you have to get in the game. So I love to put just a little money into an investment. Say there's a stock that you like. Um, maybe it's something that you use on a daily basis. So put a little money, just buy a, li- a few shares of stock. And what that does is that gets your interest it, you're, it explodes your interest level because you're going to watch that every day. Is it going up? Is it going down? What's the news in it? And maybe you study about the company. Um, but by putting a little money down, even if, if I spend $10, I'm more interested than if I spend nothing. So those are some of the things I would do to, to get started. So basically, you just got to get in the game. You got to get in the game. You got to get in the game. You got to be brave and you got to go out there. I saw a video online of, of Actually, I think it was Robert talking about your first investment. And I was thinking it yes. said something in the rates were eight or nine percent. And, you know, at the time when I think I first heard that, I was like, oh, those rates are so high, but we're almost there. Right. Yeah, and yeah. you went and got in the game at that time. Um, how much money did you have? Were you just starting out? I mean, what that, was it like? That, that's a really, really good question, because I know a lot of people watching and they're going, well, I don't have any money to invest because yeah. I'm basically living paycheck to paycheck. So one of the things we did, and I would highly recommend this, is we started an investment account. And what we did is with every single dollar that came into our household, no matter where it came from, what we did before spending it on any bills and paying off any expenses, we took a small percentage, we took 10% off the top and put it into our investment account. And so what happened, it, 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 wasn't, it wasn't so much the amount, but that habit of doing it with every single dollar. And what happened is that account starts to increase dramatically. I mean, little by little, next thing you know, you've got this, this account full of money that then you can use for investing. So to your point, the uh, property, the little two bedroom, one bath house that I bought, at the time it was 1989 and it was $45,000, of which we did not have. Um, we needed, I needed $5,000 down payment of which I didn't have, but I I went to, oh, I have this investment account and that funded most of that property for me. That property, after I collected the rent, paid the expenses, paid off the mortgage, I had $25 a month cash flow in my pocket. That's how I started. So I didn't have any financial education. I didn't have any background in in money at all. I didn't know anything about it, but I just started small. And the thing is, you weren't out to make tons of money. That's what really surprises me. When you like evaluated the property or anything, it was like, it's just going to cash flow. You didn't look at it like, oh, it has to cash flow $1,000 a month, I mean, or anything like that. You just wanted to get in the game, it sounds like. I wanted to get in the game. Exactly, Jamie. That's exactly it because I I needed to get educated. And this was my to me, I looked at this as this is my, my university of investing education here. <laughs> I've got this little house. I learned so much on that little house. I learned what happens when you raise the rent too high and the tenant moves out. I learned about things, deferred maintenance that I hadn't checked out. I, I learned a lot. And every single property I bought from then on, I learned a little bit more, a little bit more. And as that went up, because as your knowledge increases, also your risk decreases. So I could get into bigger properties, which had greater cash flow. Had I started with, you know, a, a hundred unit apartment building, I probably I would have lost everything because I didn't have the education, I didn't have the experience. 
If I can ask you, how many rental properties have you had in your lifetime? Do you know? I I don't. I I we probably have with apartment buildings and other properties. We have commercial properties. We have um, I'd say about seven thousand, seven thousand seventy five hundred units total. A lot. You have a lot it's, there. It's fun. It it becomes a game after a while. It seems you know? like it would. I mean, I yeah. I've always wanted to get into it. I've always been a little nervous, but I think yeah. you know today you're making me brave. Because well, and, and what you said earlier about the interest rates, yes, that our first interest rate was like 10% and it's still cash flowed. And the prices have got to, as we were talking before we started, Jamie, these, these real estate prices have got to start coming down. They are starting to come down, actually. There's more inventory on the market, but the, the, there will be a lot of opportunity in the future for people that understand how to invest in property, how to invest in rental properties. There's going to be a lot of opportunity so I always say, get educated, get prepared for when that time comes so that you can take advantage of the opportunity and not sit back on the sidelines. So start your investment account, everybody, that right there. <laughs> so when this opportunity comes, you can go in and you can get that property. So, yes. And, you know, I know cash is king too. maybe sell something and go out yep. and invest. You know, there's yep. other things you can do to come up with that money as well. And you brought up something that's interesting to me is you know, a lot of women depend on their significant other or different oh. things when it comes to their money. So how do you prepare yourself financially for divorce or separation or even uh. death? I mean, those are huge things that face women every day. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, me and even my husband, you know, we have joint stuff. We have business together, different things. It would be very scary, to be honest, to be in those type of situations. And what can women do to protect themselves? Yeah, that's that's a, a good question as well. And that's why becoming, getting that goal of becoming financially free and being free of the worry when I became financially free and I didn't have to worry about money anymore. Oh my God, that, that freed up everything. Um, but number one, and to the point about, you know, what happens after death or divorce, um, there's a statistic that says 80% of the elderly living in poverty are women. But the shocking point is that of those 80%, 80% of those women living in poverty were not poor when their husbands were alive. So he dies, she has no idea what they have. So somebody, some good, you know, financial helper comes along and says, oh, let me help you with that. And next thing you know, she's broke. Um, also, a lot of the medical, if he, if the husband um, has medical issues, a lot of the money, a lot of the savings goes to pay that. And so she's left with little after the death. But again, the, the way to prepare yourself is, number one, if you're married, if you're single, know what you have, know where it is, know what all the accounts are, sit down with your spouse or sit down with a, a trusted financial advisor to understand what you have, because that's number one. And then make sure that if you're married, that you're listed, or if even if you're single, make sure that you are listed on the titles, listed as a member of LLCs. Make sure that it's not in one person's name, because if that happens, you get nothing. So start, start paying attention to that. And the, another thing I would say is, you know, there's a lot of salespeople. You need to know the difference between an advisor and a salesperson. 
like a stockbroker, a real estate broker, they're there to make a commission. So they want to sell you something. Some financial advisors are also paid a commission on the investments that they recommend to you. So I never recommend using anybody like that. I want a really trusted advisor. In my investments, I have a business partners I really, really trust. I have a tax advisor, a legal advisor that I really trust. They're looking out for my best interests. So if you had somebody, you know, start looking for a trusted advisor, not somebody that's making a commission from selling you something. How would you find one of those? That's a great question. I would ask people who are, who have advisors, who you trust, people maybe that are successful, like where do I go to, who do I, who do I talk to? Our tax advisor actually has a list of other tax advisors that he recommends. So oftentimes there'll be networks that you can tap into. Same with our attorney. He has other attorneys that he would recommend for like estate planning, things like that. So start asking around, start knocking on doors. I always find referrals are the best way to go versus, you know, looking online for somebody, a, a referral from somebody you trust and who's, who's been successful. You said making sure that you're on all the titles and things like that. How would a woman go about finding that out? Uh, you know, I mean, yeah, you, I mean, you think people know this stuff, touchy. but a lot of women, no. they don't even ask their husbands or anything like that. You know, I especially older women, you know, a lot of boomers and different things. And yeah, like my mom and different ones. I don't know if she knows if something happened to my dad. I don't even know if she would know what to do. Yeah, I, I, I and, and it's a touchy subject. Because if you start asking, you know, well, I want to make sure I'm on the title. And, and then there can be, he can get very defensive. Oh, yeah. Well, what, don't you trust me? Don't you trust me? And it's, it's, it's a conversation of, hey, if something were to happen to you, I don't know what we have. I don't know where it is. And I'm going to be in a bad situation. And, and he might say, oh, well, you can depend on so-and-so. Well, maybe. Or if that's the case, if there is a, an advisor that he works with, ask to sit in on the meetings. Ask to be part of it because it should be a team effort. Um, but it is a touchy situation. It is a touchy subject. But you can find, you can go online and find, you know, titles to homes and things like that. But the best way is to start that conversation and start, you know, letting him know that this is something for your well-being and for his to give you peace of mind if something were to happen. And vice versa. And vice versa. You, you speak about, you talk about women building wealth, right? Yes. And you just said a shocking, shocking statistic about 80% of women, right? Whose spouses are, have died and that they're in poverty. Did you say poverty actually on the 80%? Poverty. 80% of the elderly living in poverty are women. Okay. So. And that might be a low statistic. That even might be low because who yeah. knows how many people they actually even really polled. I mean, exactly. let's be honest on most polls. So. Yeah. Yes. I, I would love to know how I can make sure that doesn't happen to me. You know what I mean? Like, what <laughs> can I do? I mean, we you just sold about start an investment fund, right? Start investing. With the way things are right now, stock's really scary. It's really volatile. Uh -huh. I'm scared to do that right now. I think there's a lot yeah. of people who are scared. I, yeah. I, we're uncertain all around on every forefront when it comes with our money, where to put it, even what bank to put it in, just yeah, crazy no things. I mean, crazy things yes. are happening. And so every day something changes. So what can I do to protect myself and my family and my money? I mean, what can we do? One thing anybody could do today is you could go out and buy a silver, a one ounce silver coin. 
And today it's going to probably cost you around 27, 28 US dollars. And the reason I say that is once you have the silver coin, you're going to get interested in the commodity called silver. You're going to watch the price every day. Is it up? Is it down? What's it doing? Why is it, why is it up? Why is it down? I have silver and I have gold. And not so much as an investment, not, I'm, I'm not keeping it because hoping the price is going to go up, although I hope it does go up, but I'm keeping it more as a hedge against the dollar devaluing. So as the dollar goes down, our dollars are worth less and less, which means it's going to cost us more and more to live. Gold is real money. Over decades, gold has always been there. Silver is used, silver is a is used in manufacturing, it's used in computers, it's used in all sorts of, it, it's, a, it's an item used for manufacturing. So there's a usage for it. But I like gold and silver when I see the dollar devaluing in what's happening today with, with banks and all of this, I feel a little safer having gold and silver. But that's one way that you can start. What else I would do, Jamie, is I would just, as I said earlier, just take a little bit of money, find maybe a stock, find even even go online. Okay, here's something you could do. Here's something anybody could do. Ebooks. Okay, ebooks. People love to learn about something. Everybody has something that they can do. So I was talking to my girlfriend the other day and and she surprised me. She loves just as a hobby, she loves making beautiful cakes. Beautiful cakes. She makes wedding cakes for her friends. So I'm like, "Why don't you take a little get make a little ebook on how to do, you know, icing flowers, whatever it is?" And that you do it once and it sells and it sells and it sells and it becomes an asset. It brings in money. So you could go online and buy every, you know, maybe you're a, a car mechanic and you know some piece about car mechanics that people don't know about. And they, so you did a little ebook on it. That's another way to make money. I have a girlfriend who goes to like Goodwill and places like that, finds old shoes, specifically men's shoes, because men hate to buy shoes online. And fixes them, gets them all pretty and spruced up, and she sells them all over the world. It used to just be the U.S. Now she's got customers in Australia and the U.K. But there's so many little things people can do in their part-time. I always say, you know, keep your daytime job, but start a part-time business. There's a lot of things out there that you can do to bring in income. And that income, of course, then can go into buying more investments. I never really thought about it, but your knowledge is a commodity. Yes. And you can sell it and it can make yes. you money. I didn't exactly. even, in your experience, I think you always think it has to be some tangible good, but yeah. that's not true. No, nope. And you just have to figure out, okay, how can I cash flow off the knowledge that I have? And because of technology and things today, you can. Exactly. Well, look at the podcast, look at YouTube. You know, if you get a big enough audience, you, you may have such a specific niche product or niche knowledge. Like for us, it's, for me, it's investing. That's a big subject. Yeah, it's big. But maybe it's something small and you become the expert of this niche educational, informational podcast. YouTube's going to pay you for that. That's true. I mean, I, we talked to someone, I think it was a side, he has a podcast called Side Hustle. And he talked about someone who did bird watching, something very small like that. Yeah. And he just makes... Yeah. He, quit his job and has this huge thing now. And it was just exactly what you just said. He became an expert on this specific thing and it was just so niche and it was really easy to break in there. Yeah. I guess you just have to think. You got to think outside the box. You got to be thinking about ways you can make more money and how 
things that aren't that hard to do can actually make money for you. Because like you said, you put the ebook up there, you're never touching it again, right? Right. right. You it, write it once. You write it once. And it could be bringing money in. Maybe it is only 25 bucks a month. Like you said, it's something. It's, I'm it's cash a flowing. It's a start. And, and then it gets your mind getting creative. Going, what else can I do? Where else can I make money? How else can I bring this in? There was, there was a, a young girl in our neighborhood. She was maybe 13 years old. And she had a little flyer. And she went around to every house and said, if you leave your, your shoes outside your door, I'll come by, pick them up, and I'll bring them back before 6 a.m. in the morning all polished. She started a little business. It's not rocket science. People think business is difficult. It's not rocket science. You can, you can make money in so many different ways. And now with the internet, so much easier than when I started. When I started, we had, our, we had to, you know, you didn't have a database. You didn't have a computerized database. It's written down and, and it's, things have changed. The game has changed so dramatically that you could be talking to people all over the world just like that. I love Where before we had to mail stuff and that's, make phone calls. That's true. And, it was hard. Right? People had phone books, you know. Phone books. <laughs> I'm old too. So, you know, anyone over 40, we, we understand what you're talking about here. So, yeah, it was a lot harder. It's a lot easier now. And maybe that's yeah. one thing, you know, sometimes when things become easier, we become lazier. And maybe we yes. don't even try yes. as hard to go out there and make the money. And we I, get, oh, that's such a good point. You know, it's, that's such a good point because now's the time to prepare because we don't know what's coming. I don't like what I'm seeing in terms of the economy, in terms of the banks, in terms of the dollar. I don't like what I see coming. But now's the time to prepare, not when it happens. If, if something explodes in front of us and all of a sudden we're like a deer in headlights and we haven't prepared, then you're going to be one of the unfortunate statistics out there. But, you know, Figure out ways to, how can you bring in money? What's, what's wanted and needed out there that people aren't doing? What can you, what is unique to your knowledge that you can deliver, that you can give to people? Or it could be a physical product as well. Hey, you just don't know. You just got to start yeah. thinking. Yeah. Thinking about how can I make more money? Yes. And, and when it comes to real estate, you know, get out there, start looking now. Even if you, even if you think you have no money, again, start that investment account. But even if you think you don't have any money, get out there, start talking to real estate people. You could always, if you have a really good deal, although you don't have the experience, but if you found something, there may be an investor out there that would like to have that deal and you could be a part of that deal. There's ways to do it without money. When I started, Jamie, I had nothing. I had no money, nothing. We were just starting our business. Anything we made went back into the business. So when people say, oh, well, you have to have money to to make money. No, the investments I like are tangible investments that I can touch and feel. I'm not big on the stock market. I have no control. I want to have control over my, my assets. So I always say, if, you're, if real estate is something you like, go out and find a property that makes sense. Once you find it, even if you don't have the money, you're going to start getting very, very creative on how can I make this money? Where can I find this money? How can I get this money? Uh, and that's exactly what we did. One of the things we did, um, you like this on our, the, uh, the $5,000 that I had to put down on my first uh -huh. rental house. We had a, a business. We, we were just starting up our business and it was an educational business. So we pre-sold at the time was audio tapes. Uh -huh. You know, you remember audio tapes? Yeah, I do. So we pre-sold, we had a subject and we put it out there. If you would like it, we will deliver it in, in six weeks. So we pre-sold product. 
got the money in, that helped pay for the down payment, and then we delivered the product. So again, this is your greatest asset right here between your two ears is your greatest asset. But you said, like you said, when things are comfortable, you're very lazy and you don't really have to do much. But when things get uncomfortable, you don't want to be that deer in headlights. You want to be prepared so that you can take advantage of, as I said, there's going to be a lot of opportunities in a lot of investment categories, I believe. And you know, even when you were talking there and you said you being comfortable, I think a lot of people when we're in relationships and women especially, you get comfortable with someone mm-hmm. just taking care of everything for you. Yes. You don't think yes. that, hey, yes. something could happen tomorrow and this person exactly. who I think is Prince Charming and my mm-hmm. dream could end up not being your dream. The exactly. Husband. And everything yes. could fall apart for you. And yes. I guess I'm not saying be a doomsdayer, but like you said, it's just be, be realistic. Be, be realistic. realistic. Be yes. realistic and know that anything can happen at any time and nothing is for certain, especially when it yes. comes to money and things. So you got to be prepared. I think what well, everything you said is true and we need to act like we don't have any money almost, right? And have that grit that you're talking about, right? That you guys had. We're like, we got to do this. We got to yeah. find a way and get that passion behind us and go out there and do something so that yeah. we can have that security blanket. Yeah. When, when Robert and I started uh, the Rich Dad Company, we started, people don't know this, but we started with the board game called Cash Flow. The Cash Flow game that Robert wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad. But people can, the, so the, the cash flow board game teaches exactly what Robert and I did to go from, you know, in the rat race to financially free. You can buy the game or you can go online, go to richdad.com. You can play the game for free. I was given that game. Oh, how long ago was it like? <laughs> this is kind of crazy. Like, I don't know, 20 years ago, right? Yeah, yeah. I had no idea that it was based upon your guys's own actual experience. Yeah. Yes, it was. So I'm sorry to cut you off. I was just no, so... No, I love it. I'm like, I, I had it. no idea. I just thought it was a game and another marketing tool, right, to help people. I didn't know it was actually based on your own experience. Mm-hmm. Yes, the scorecard is an actual income statement balance sheet. It's the way we set up our finances. Many of the deals in the game are actual deals that we've done or did and had a disaster with. I mean, we had, we had successes, we had failures, uh, but we always learned. You know, you never stop learning. So... That is, that's one tool. It's a really good tool because the purpose of the cash flow game is to change your thinking, to change your mindset around money and around investing. People say, oh, investing is so risky. Yeah. Well, it's not the investment that's risky. It's the uneducated investor that's risky. So remember at the high times and the, the grocery clerks and the, we're giving advice on the stock market and I'm like, <laughs> oh my goodness, this is bad. This is a crash is coming. And sure enough, it did. Oh, but, it did. And yeah. everybody was, I mean, hey, there was a heyday. Everyone was yeah. loving it. And everybody was investing and playing everybody, the stock yeah. market and yeah. from the crypto and everything. And it's true. You guys were warning people. And, you know, you got to be prepared, like you said, and you got to be able to handle whatever happens. Yeah. Yeah. And, that's the most important. That's the most important piece. And the, the best place you can start is right now. Start today. Even just go to a precious metals dealer, buy that one ounce silver coin. Just do something. Okay, I'm going to buy the action. silver coin, Kim. I'm going to buy it. I'm going to buy the coins. And then I always think, oh, everything's so high priced. I'd have to have enough cash to go buy anything right now because cash is going to be king as far as real estate goes. But, you know, if I don't start with that investment, like you said, where yeah. it's like, hey, this is my 
investment. Yes. Yes. That, that's the reason I wrote my second book called It's Rising Time is because I would see women, they'd, they'd read Rich Woman or they'd read Rich, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, they'd attend seminars, they'd, they'd go online, they'd learn, 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 study, 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 but they couldn't take that first step and that first, that first action step. And it might just be getting on a phone and calling a, a commercial real estate guy, commercial real estate broker and saying, I just, I want to see, I, you know, I'm looking at property, just start getting in what we call deal flow. Have them start sending you things so that you can start understanding the numbers and learning the language of money. It's so funny how many people, brokers, advisors, throw out these, all this jargon around money. But when you ask them, you know, what, what's the definition of that? What, what really does that mean? They don't know. <laughs> oh, that's it's hilarious. Just like, they they want to seem smart, but it's just a word and you can look up words for free. So I'd like to... I actually have a, an investment dictionary on my desk. So oh, if really? I'm reading something and I don't understand the word, I just look it up. Yeah, it's simple. It's, it's not rocket science. You know, the whole world of investing has been made to seem very complicated and no, you can't do this. So you have to bring in a broker or, you know, bring in an advisor. It's not rocket science. It's why Rich Dad Poor Dad has done so well. It's still number one 25 years later. Um, but it's why it's done so well. It's not rocket science. A lot of it is just common sense, but people want to complicate the issue. They don't, it's, it's not that complicated. Anybody can do it. As I said, I had no education. I had no money when I started and it, there's still ways to make it happen. Quick question. I know you probably don't still have that property, but how did no. you know when do you, <laughs> how do you know when to sell your rental property? We usually do not sell. But yes, we did sell that one. And the reason we sold it, if we sell a property, we have a, a, a rule also, any dollar that goes into our asset column, uh -huh. be it whatever the investment is, has to stay in the investment column. So if we were to sell a property, the only reason we would sell it is because there, there was a better deal to be bought. Otherwise, we'll hold on to it. That's how you evaluate it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We don't like to, we don't like to sell. I mean, it's, it's hard to find a good property. So once we find it, we want to we wanna hang on to it. Only if it's not performing and there's a better opportunity somewhere else will we sell. What is something that you've done recently or have ever done that cash flows for you that maybe people haven't thought of doing? Um, good question. We, well, one thing we, when we were in Hawaii, um, we bought a sailboat a good size sailboat. I wanted a sailboat. I thought it would be fun. Um, but then a sailboat is a liability. So one of the things we like to do is take our liabilities and turn them into assets. So we took the sailboat and put it into a charter, a yacht charter company. So they would charter the yacht and basically we could sell for free. So, so it basically it, paid for itself then? Yes, yes, yes. We, we, we've done that with a few other things. You know, some people like Uber, uh -huh. um, Uber and Lyft, people use their cars. They take a liability, which was their car, and they turn uh -huh. it into an asset being Uber or Lyft. So those are some of the things that we like to do. It, always like vacation, our house in Hawaii, we would rent it out occasionally. It did not, um, it still was a liability because it wasn't 100% paid. It didn't pay for all of the expenses, but it offset some of the expenses. So always look at ways that you can turn a, your liability into an asset. 
So do you only do long-term rentals? I'm curious. That's just me asking. Because, oh, yeah. you know, because of COVID and everything, you know, I was just curious if you guys always have only done like long-term rentals when it comes to real estate. Uh, we ha- The only short-term rentals we had was our Hawaii house. And that was more because we weren't there that much. We wanted a company to take care of it for us. So that worked out. But typically we don't do. And one other thing that's happening, Jamie, I'm seeing it and I've seen it in Hawaii um, I've seen it in a few other places. They're changing the rules on short-term rentals. And these are, these are places where the, where the hotels are very strong and they don't want the competition. So in Hawaii, they've pretty much gotten rid of Airbnbs. There's always ways around it, but they're trying to get rid of, the, um, rid of that competition. So and they make it more difficult to have the short-term rentals. So Good point that you bring up, because if you're looking at doing short-term rentals, make sure you understand the rules and regulations of where you're going to buy that property. If you were, I wouldn't recommend buying it in Hawaii. Because yeah, that's interesting that you'd bring that up, because that's a huge thing that people do right now. Let's just be, you yeah. know, a lot of people that are out buying these properties. Business. That's how they're doing them. They're doing them yeah. short-term. Uh, but I, I think it's a good business. I do think it's a good business strategy. It's just not our strategy. You have to have the systems in place and the management in place and the marketing in place to do that. But you never know, too. The HOA could change. Yep. They can make a deal and yep. say, hey, you can't do that here anymore. You yep. know, there's things, I, you know, like you said, you got to be realistic and you got to be prepared. I think that's one real thing I've learned from you today is you need to be prepared, Jamie. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow and you need to make yep. sure that you have cash flow. You have things that are coming in and lots of from different streams, not just one stream. Yes. And you might have you know, to work hard. Like you, I saw a video where yeah. you said when you first started doing this, people thought, oh, it was going to be easy. And you're like, no, I work 24 hours a day. Yeah. I saw that. That was like, oh, I, I got to want it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that and, and there's, there's another point. You're, you're bringing up great points. You got to want it. Um, so we talk about, we often talk about the reason why, you know, why are you going to take the time and effort to do this? Why are you going to start on this journey of financial security, financial freedom, um, investing? Why are you going to do it? And that, that why has to be really strong. It's got to be very personal. It's got to be kind of to your core. Because what happens is once you start on this path, it's like starting a business. Once you start on that path and you start hitting obstacles and you start hitting, have problems and you have setbacks, you're going to quit unless that reason why you're doing this is so strong. So I actually talk about this in, in uh, one of my books about a friend of mine and his reason why he wanted to become financially free is he had two, two kids and he never saw them. He'd go to work before they're up. He'd get home after they've gone to bed. And his reason why he said he was, after he became financially free, he was driving his kids to school. He was on the LA freeway and he's sitting in a traffic jam, a mess of a traffic jam. And he's smiling from ear to ear because he's with his kids, driving them to school because he has the freedom to do it. And that was his reason why. And that's what kept him going. You know, what's weird is I actually got chills from you saying that. And I was thinking, why, why would I get chills like that? And I believe it's because what you're just manifested right there is so true. And to that man, it changed his life because yes. he got to be with his family. So many of us were spending all this time building wealth and we never even get to see our friends or, you know, our family or do things we yeah. enjoy because we're at work all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and when I talk about rich woman being a rich woman, 
the finance piece is a, is a huge part of it. That's kind of where I start because money has the power to enslave us, especially as women, to be in horrible marriages or jobs you don't like or with, fam- you know, um, bad family situations. So it can enslave us, but it also has the power to set us free. And I'm all about being free. That's so true, though. It can enslave you. Most people, yes. they'll stay in the situations because they think if I leave, I'll have no money. If I do this, right. I'm going to exactly. be financially struggling. They don't exactly. have that freedom. Yeah. So that's why I think it starts with the financial freedom. But a rich woman is rich in many, many ways. And you mentioned friends and family and all of that. The, the, the financial piece of it gives us the freedom to live that life we want, to be with the people we want to be with and not be enslaved to a job 24-7 or whatever it is that we're doing that we may not want to be doing. So the rich woman piece is all about all of it, not just the financial. The financial is the foundation, but then there's rich woman and always possible. Kim, that leads right to my final question that I always ask every guest, and that is, I basically just answered it, but what does living richer mean to you? Kind of what I just said. <laughs> uh, that's what I just said. But for you but personally, no, that was yeah. more general for women, right? Yeah. What, yeah. what does it mean to be a rich woman? You said, but what does living richer mean to you personally? Yeah. Personally, there's, um, you know, when, when you get to a point where you can make choices and not have to be dependent on, on the job and all of this, um, when I became financially free, one of the, one of the rewards for that, one of the best things that happened is I had the luxury to ask myself, what do I want to do with my life? And so right now I'm in South Carolina. I'm in this beautiful natural surrounding. I have my birds and my deer and I have fishing and golf and all my fun stuff. But then I come back to Phoenix and I have my team at, at work. I don't have to be there 24 seven. I can be on Zoom. I can show up, you know, once a week, a week, a month. Um, I can design my life the way I want it because I love the business. I love teaching rich dad, rich woman. I love doing that, but I don't want to be a slave to it. So a richer life is really designing the life that I really want. People say, aren't you going to retire? I'm like, I don't want to retire. I love what I do. And I love being outdoors and in nature. I love playing golf. I love being with my friends, having a nice bottle of wine. It's like, being able to really design, I'm, I'm in the middle of doing this right now, designing the life I really want. So it's really fun because you have a blank canvas and you can do, have it the way you want it to be. So I'm having a blast right now trying to figure out how do I create the life I really want? It's very fun. And, and that doesn't mean you don't have problems, you don't have setbacks, you don't, you know, it, as long as you're in motion and you're doing things, you're going to have stuff's going to come up. But you've got to, I've, for me, I just always want to stay in motion because when I'm in motion, that's when, that's when the magic happens. I'm not going to ever sit back on a lounge chair and, and, and read a book for the rest of my life. That's never going to happen. I just always want to be in motion because when you're in motion, then that sets other things in motion. And that's where magic happens. I love the magic. Well, and you've created a lot of magic with your life and you've touched oh, so many people. I, I can't imagine. Being you and thinking how many people's lives I have changed for the better. Thanks. I mean, Thanks. that is a huge accomplishment as a woman. 
to have done that and to, like I said, change people's lives everywhere and not just in the United States, around the world. That's so huge, Kim. And no, if anyone deserves to be out there living her best life, it's, it's you. Just, and oh. I'm just glad I got to have you come on my show today and to experience your energy and to hear your expertise and to be able to share it with everyone. And I just want to remind everyone to live richer. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Before you go, we'd love for you to subscribe to our show to catch all of our updates. Also, we want to hear from you. What are your burning questions about money and how to live your best life? Reach us at livericherpod at gobankingrates.com. <laughs>